Welcome back, everyone. It's episode 72 of Murphy's Law. This is Charles Murphy hanging out, as always, with Charles Villanueva. Really light news week this week due to Thanksgiving here in America. We did have one of uh, the most exciting episodes of The Mandalorian so far. We're excited to dive in and tackle that for you. But first, let's check in with Charles and see what he's been up to. Uh, I haven't been up to much. We don't have much to talk about. Uh, I, just, I just mentioned to you before we recorded that I just got the... Uh... The Avengers game, based on our very own Joe's uh, positivity and recommendation, so I, I'm I'm curious how that's gonna that's gonna fare for me. But yeah, let's talk Mando because there's not much to talk about. Oh yeah, super super boring week. Um, not a lot of stuff out there, and by far the this last episode of The Mandalorian, in which ah- Ahsoka Tano made her live action debut, is easily the most exciting bit of news that we've had this week, and and by far. Um, when we check out like so her social media and and check out everything that we uh, that we kind of monitor, has had people more excited than anything I can remember in a really long time. So, what did, what was your take on uh, on Rosario Dawson's Ahsoka Tano and when you finally got to see her? Like the thing that I guess threw me off right from the get go was that oh shit, the, the episode's re- literally gonna start with with her, you know, mowing down a bunch of I don't know what you call these um these, these chumps that look like you know cyclopses, but just from the get-go, we finally get a taste of you know how she how she has been, how she how she looks like even, and we see her her classic you know the, the white lightsaber we last saw in in in, in um, Rebels, and there's overall just a, such a such a crazy opening to a show or to an episode that everyone's been sort of expecting since I don't know season one, and that definitely threw me off. Um, overall, I'm very happy with how how they presented. Um, Ahsoka in the episode, uh, you could tell just from how Rosario c- carried the characters that she she portrayed the character with so much weight and I guess stoicness, if that's even a word. Like she's very, she's not, um, she's not, she's not that spry kid we saw in, in in Clone Wars and whatnot. She's she's not even that all talkative. She's kind of like just hanging out somewhere, trying to fight the good fight. You could tell that she's fucking tired of everything that she's been around for so long. She's seen so much shit. And Rosario really brought that to life on screen in an amazing way. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm skimming the episode right now. And it's just so, she's just such a fucking badass with that white lightsaber. But what do you think? Like, what are your thoughts about uh, Ahsoka's debut in live action? Yeah, I thought, I love the fact that they wasted no time um, in, in, in letting her demonstrate how big of a badass she was going to be. Um, she obviously just mowed through those guys. They're just cannon fodder and, you know, stood off against the, the magistrate and Michael Bean, who was, it was awesome to see him too, even though his role was, yeah. was minor. It was so great to see him. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. Um, I loved, I love the way that Rosario portrayed the character and, you know, it's obviously the first time that she's played her, but you can tell that she did her homework and she's, she's gone through and, watched at least the pertinent episodes of Clone Wars and Rebels and understands everything that that Ahsoka's been through and all the loss and all the pain because she carried that through you know all the the entire episode it was evident that like just like you said she's been through so much and she's so worn out but she's not giving up and uh I think it was great because when Joao um wrote wrote the piece that he wrote that we pushed out the day before He'd been he'd been talking about it on Slack for quite a while, but he was really sure that it wasn't just gonna that maybe they wouldn't waste the live action debut of another character 
in the same episode where they where they debuted Ahsoka, um, but that that she was going to mention somebody, and he was really high on um, her quest for Ezra and and uh, and Thrawn being a big part of it, and obviously mm-hmm. that was such a huge reveal at the end. Um, and who knows? Like, doesn't seem like something that should be part of a further season of The Mandalorian. It seems like we should get Ahsoka's own story in in live action at this point. Um, and so that you know. <sighs> I, I like that they didn't minimize the the debut of Ahsoka by throwing in a bunch of other characters. And, and if anything else, they just made it so much more exciting because now we have probably more to look forward to of her story and, and maybe get some resolution as to what does happen to her um, before we get around to, like, The Force Awakens. Yeah, the, that Thrawn name drop was pretty fucking huge. I mean, I've, I haven't seen Rebels, but I'm pretty much... I've, I'm, I've been sort of following just what's, what's happening, who's... Who's who's in it? Who's who's the new character? Who's dying? Who's who's gone? And when it was announced, like I think Star Wars Celebration twenty, who I think twenty seventeen or maybe twenty sixteen, when they announced Thrawn, I think that was the, the 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 only Star Wars Celebration where a TV announcement pretty much dwarfed everything else. Yeah. And I think they 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 had they didn't have anything to talk about for the films or for. Or I think the last Jedi, I can't quite remember. But when they announced that Thrawn was back, like that was oh my god, it set sort of the internet ablaze with with just that name alone. And considering he was a Legends character, just that you know he, he, that name has so much infamy that when you say his name, it's like holy shit, he's coming back. What the fuck? And the fact that you know Dave Filoni had the ball to so actually you know include it in this episode is is pretty. Pretty fucking crazy, but like you said, it's pretty hard to imagine that you know Ahsoka's journey. She seems like hell bent on doing her own thing. It's not likely that we actually see what happens with with, with Thrawn, be it Ezra or Ahsoka. So it is kind of interesting for Dave Filoni to include it here. Like, are we like is the is the Mandalorian pretty much just like you know uh, like a backdoor pilot for a bunch of you know characters because we we know that Bob is here. And we heard like a couple of weeks back that they want to do a Boba show, and now you have Ahsoka here, and now you also got Bo-Katan doing like her own adventures. It makes me wonder what what like what the big picture is with all these seeds they're planting. Um, surely it's not for they're not they're not name dropping you know Bo-Katan or, or 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 Thrawn here just for nothing. It's gonna lead up to something. So I am curious what exactly the end game here is, and you know. Are we getting like an Ahsoka show? Is this the, like the, the the plan here? Do they want to do a live action Ahsoka show right after the Mandalorian? What, what do you think about that? I, I guess I guess it depends on how they're going to resolve the the idea that came up in in the Bo-Katan episode. It, it certainly seems like Bo-Katan is intent on going and reclaiming Mandalore, and you can imagine Dinjarin being a part of that now. Um, after they've met and he gets an idea that there's like a larger history to Mandalore than maybe even what, what his, what the death watch told him. And so, you know, if they're all going to converge there again, I could see, I could see Bo-Katan being there, Din Djarin being there. You could see Ahsoka cause she's been there so frequently in, in the clone wars and in rebels. Um, and obviously Gideon's going to have to come back into the mix. So what, I mean, are you going to get like a Gideon, in Thrawn versus all these guys in Ahsoka. I mean, what a what a crazy 
huge setup that would be for what we what we always you know one of the one of the main criticisms about the mandalorian is that it's seems to be really slow paced and we have some episodes that really don't seem to do a lot well what if you just have this massive battle of mandalore that takes place over over the last episode or maybe it's in the next season or something uh i think that would erase quite a few of those criticisms so i think that's one option and and the other option is yeah we're just going to have ahsoka go her own way and this name drop with thrawn was to set up her show and that that there's not going to be some great convergence of all these massive characters on mandalore um, so maybe you'll just have, you know, that, that whole separate arc going a different way. And I think for my money, um, I would, I would be just fine continuing to let Dave Filoni work within this, this universe that he's already created with Clone Wars and Rebels and continue to put together these, these shows, um, that are, you know, six to eight episodes, or I think Obi-Wan's supposed to be four and let them let them do their thing there. I know a lot of people were talking about on Twitter on uh, on Saturday, Friday and Saturday, really, that he should get his live action film and he should get to do this. And I kind of think, you know, I, I don't think his strength is necessarily as a director. Um, you know, his, he directed a couple episodes um, in season one and this one he did and, and it, he did a fine job. I don't look forward to him necessarily directing anything so much as I want him to continue to be the guy that maps out the future. And for me right now, as much as I'm enjoying the Mandalorian, I wouldn't be hurt if the future was mainly on Disney plus. I think he's done a great job with, with mapping these stories out and, and bringing in the right mix of characters from, like you said, from all these different legends, places from the video games, from the novels, from, from all these other things. I, I, I look forward to more of that. So if, if it's a new series for Ahsoka all on her own and, and Dave's got a path carved out that way, I'm I'm good for it. I'm ready to see it. Yeah, you mentioned about the possibility of like Dave Filoni directing his own movie. It's like the same with how I feel about Kevin Feige possibly yeah. directing his his own MCU movie. Like he's a great producer, but I also kind of don't want that, you know, let's say Kevin Feige does direct like an MCU film and what if it ends up being pretty bad? I don't want that sort of to tarnish like his name as a as, as a legendary producer because you know creatives can have their own strength. You can be a good producer and not a good director. It's perfectly fine. You could be you know a fantastic director but have terrible producing choices. It's perfectly fine. But I think with Filoni, you pretty much mentioned it. Um, he he works so well as as a as a like a quote unquote showrunner here. He has a good vision of where he wants the uh, the universe to go. Uh, I mean, at least compared to Kathleen Kennedy, I mean, Filoni has pretty much nailed every single decision he's made. So I don't see why, you know, he hasn't been given like the full keys to Star Wars at this point. But yeah, Dave Filoni um, directing, like, to be honest, I think the weakest part of uh, this episode is how some how wonky some of the fight teams looked, especially with um with uh. What do you call this? The uh, the magistrate and and Ahsoka. The opening sequence is pretty sick with um Ahsoka just running through the shadows and you know from their vantage point you could only see like the lightsaber like light up and then she'd fucking mow down someone and then she dis- disappear again. That was pretty sick. But once once it came into like that that that, uh, that kill bill moment between the two where they're like you know fighting in this this koi pond and, and some shit. That sort of you could see some of the some of the uh, awkward cuts here and there, and I, I was I was pretty surprised how 
how, at least to me as an editor, how jarring that was because when you watch Clone Wars, it's so smooth, it's so seamless. The fight scenes look absolutely amazing. So I don't know what happened here. Um, it's not like a like a like a diss to the episode. It's pretty. I think it's one of the, it's, it's probably a high point for the series. But as far as direction goes, um, I'm not fully excited for Filoni to you know to completely man that that position yet. Yeah, and and I I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. Like you said. I actually had the same exact conversation um, and made the same analogy to Feige. I have no interest in seeing Feige get behind the camera to make a film. The whole the whole beauty of what he's done is he's he sits, you know, on top of this hierarchy. He has people that work alongside him and, and work for him as a as a core creative team that continue to generate these great ideas. And then those guys get to oversee the individual movies. And, and then Feige is kind of like in charge of this whole giant swath of just cinematic greatness that the that marvel's cutting right he's kind of you know sits there and that's why we jokingly call him the one above all and and i think that he does so well in that role i wouldn't want him to spend time directing anything to take away from that overseeing role and i think that's where filoni probably fits in the, the best too because he more than anybody else that's tried to take on uh star wars other than who directed rogue one uh, Garrett. Oh, Garrett. Oh, uh, shit. Edwards. Garrett. Edwards. Oh my God. Garrett. Rogue One. Oh, homie, let me fucking search. Gareth Edwards. Yeah, Gareth Edwards. So, other than other than him and Ron Howard, I thought who I thought because I thought Solo was fine too. Um, and I yeah. think Filoni Filoni's on the same page with those guys as far as really making their films feel or their projects at least feel like they're a part of George Lucas's universe. Whereas like these, these sequel trilogy films really feel, especially now in now that you see Mandalorian, they real, they really feel like something else, even though you're, you have familiar characters in there and they're following a familiar storyline. They don't feel a part of it the same way that the Mandalorian does. So I would love to see this kind of Filoni sort of be the, everything funneled through him as we go forward, because he seems to really have, um, you know, keyed in on what, lucas originally wanted what lucas originally intended and and i guess for someone like me who grew up on all i had was the original three movies that i watched over and over and over and over and over and over again um these just feel the mandalorian just feels such a part of that universe whereas these sequel trilogies just feel so foreign to me and there's plenty of there's plenty of other options like i thought bryce dallas howard has done a great job um, when in her yeah. time that she's worked on on the Mandalorian, I know they've already taken Deborah Chow and given her the Obi Wan series. So, yeah, there are plenty of other people who are a part of this project who would be great directors moving forward. And I just think it'd be best for Filoni to focus on just continuing to help make those creative decisions and and kind of take that one above all role that Feige has. I think that's a perfect spot for him. Uh, we gotta talk about the reveal of fucking. Yoda's name, baby Yoda's name. Um, I think, I think the the name is has a bit of a controversy among fans because, you know, in addition to Soka's live action debut, we weren't expecting to finally, you know, learn the name of Baby Yoda, which is Grogu. Uh, what are your thoughts about the name? Are you um, do you lean towards still calling him Baby Yoda? Yeah, I I said that a couple times. Like I'm still gonna call him Baby Yoda. I don't care. Um, 
but I, I do, it's, it's fine. And, uh, <clears throat> I don't see it. I, I've seen so many people complain about it and so many people talk about it being his, his backstory being complicated and, and confusing. And I, I, it's just, it's fine. It fits. And it's just a name and it doesn't, it doesn't matter what you call it. If we haven't, if we haven't learned that by now from looking at Avengers Endgame and how mad everyone was when they named it Avengers Endgame and then seeing what the final product was, who gives a shit what you call the kid? It's just a name. It's just something they're going to, they're going to have it on. How many, how many times is it going to be said over the course of the series? Not very often. So I don't, I don't care. And I am curious now, um, if anything like this backstory, that they gave him this really short backstory that Ahsoka explained. I'm, I'm curious, like who yeah. took him out of the temple yeah, before yeah. Anakin was able to carve him up? Like I, this is good. This is just when we kind of thought we had it all figured out with, with, uh, with the child. Now we've got more mystery that we want to look into. So I thought that was a good choice. Yeah, I, I completely agree. The back, the backstory, the, how Ahsoka alluded to how Grogu baby Yoda has pretty much had a hard life prior to, Din Djarin picking him up in, in the first season. And like you said, it's a it's such a very fascinating uh prospect to maybe explore down the line, maybe when when um they get to that that ancient Jedi temple, hopefully in the next episode or two, maybe we find out exactly, you know, like you said, who took uh Baby Yoda away from Coruscant and what exactly what kind of bullshit did he see because Ahsoka does say that um, like p- part of uh, Grogu's memory is a bit hazy because of how I guess painful it is. I might be speaking out of my ass, but that's at least how I remember that conversation going. So there is a story to tell with Baby Yoda, and it's gonna be it's gonna be hopefully explored down the line. For me, like the name alone, just Dinjar name learning the name in many ways is sort of them becoming closer, and I think. This episode may have been, you know, focused on Ahsoka and you know where she's been, but I think it's also like a huge step in how Grogu's and 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 the Mando's relationship has progressed through uh, the past two seasons. We know now that that uh, Baby Yoda is in many ways dependent on 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 the Mando now, like just even for like emotional support and, and just like you know, like he's like Grogu has fallen in love with the Mando and. The Mando is not possibly tied to unlocking Baby Yoda's power. And I think that's a fucking huge, you know, jump compared to where we were in the first season with the two of them. Now it's like, holy shit, now the Mando is sort of key to this kid's, I guess, growth and development. And it's pretty, it's pretty fucking sick. Yeah, I, I love that, what the story's become, right? We And we continue to see, um, like when they, in the previous episode, when they went back to Navarro, you continue to see how the actions of the Mando have served the universe on a larger scale. Like, yeah, he's he's on this quest with this child, but there's more going on, right? Like, and, and his, his choices have bigger implications for the universe as a whole than just for taking care of this kid. And so now we're headed towards, God, I have no idea what's going to happen when they get to this. I mean, this is basically the planet where the force was discovered right like that this is another kind of legends thing that's being brought into the into canon this is like the origin of the jedi the origin of the force all this stuff um and so this is this is a huge deal and going forward i mean obviously we don't know what happens to this kid and why he's not around in the in the sequel trilogy um 
and what what choice he's going to make. But my God, and I know a lot of people are excited saying like, hey, maybe maybe this is going to lead to a Luke Skywalker cameo. Um, and a lot of people have yeah. Sebastian Stan already kind of fan cast in that role and in all the, the but see this is this is why this is fun now this is why the mandalorian has it has become such a fun um and exciting thing to speculate about and to think about and to talk about and it's doing all the same things that the original films did for people there were there were just enough there was just enough mystery around say like boba fett or ig or dengar that you would want to create these these little stories in your head and have all this fan fiction, which is where all those great legends books came from, right? And now, now we're getting mm-hmm. the same thing. And, and instead of having so much, you know, divisiveness and controversy, uh, and, and fans hating each other over it, people are excited and people are speculating and and doing fun fan things around the the stories that are being told. This is this is a really cool thing that's come out of the Mandalorian. What did you like about the episode? Because I I was talking um, on on the Discord chat about how. Like, why is the town so fucking small? I thought it was fucking, like, this huge, this huge kingdom with a fortified wall. But then when you go in, there's, like, five guards and two robots. And then, like, the, the city spans, like, one block. That's, that's my only nitpick with the episode. And it's like, why didn't everyone just fucking revolt against these, like, five guards? But that's my nitpick. Do you have any nitpicks with, with, um, with the episode? Well, it's always, I always have the same and this is really nitpicky and something I have to get over. But like, as I watch the Clone Wars, I can't imagine how many times Obi-Wan Kenobi gets bitch slapped around because he refuses to use the force to kill somebody. Like he's going <laughs> to go ahead and he's going to go ahead and cut their head off or stab him with a lightsaber, but he absolutely won't choke anybody with the force or won't do anything over overly violent with the force unless it's a robot. So here you have Ahsoka who basically goes in and yeah, Mando kills a couple dudes, but Ahsoka basically goes in, um, hops the wall, kills everybody, frees everybody. And then she decides that she's going to have like this. I I'm sure it's, it revolves around honor and, and some of those like old concepts that from the Kurosawa films and samurai. But like, if you're going to go ahead and kill the lady anyway, for fuck's sake, why spend 10 minutes doing it? Choke the shit out of her, take the spear, free the town. There we go. Like, right. But, but then, yeah, you don't get the great the great lightsaber battle. I did I did think it was really interesting to find. I maybe people knew this before, but I didn't know that lightsabers couldn't cut through Beskar. I thought that was a really cool inter you know part of the part of the thing that or the show that I had no idea about. But yeah, I mean, she could have literally at any point she could have just force choked the shit out of every one of those guards, gone in, you know, maybe ripped Michael Bean's throat out from across the way, and then and then killed the lady and freed all those people. Like it could have been a a five minute deal for her. But again, I guess the, and she's not a Jedi, so I don't think she needs to follow the code and, and all that kind of stuff. So that, those are always problems I have when I watch it. Like, especially during wartime as, as Kenobi's getting the shit kicked out of him and on clone wars and he refuses to just reach out and do something, um, that'll, that'll bail him out. And then he turns around and kills the guy with his lightsaber anyway. So kind of the same thing, but those are such minor nitpicks. Yeah. It's, it's like, when you see Ahsoka, like when they actually do the raid in the in that small town, like I'm kind of confused why didn't Ahsoka just fucking mow everyone down? Right. Because she kind of did it on her own. Like Manu just like pops in just in the end to like throw an assist, but so like Ahsoka pretty much did that on her own. And the fact that you know she she needed Mando to I guess distract you know Michael Bean, who's not even not even that 
that intimidating of a of a, of a person in in this in this episode. It's like, wow. I I, I kind I just kind of wish they 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 paid attention at least better to the scale of the of the of the area because they, they make it seem like it's like this huge kingdom, but you only see like two blocks of it and like five security people. Like I said, it, it's 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 pretty. That's that's when the show gets a bit underwhelming for me. But again, it's just like a super stupid nitpick, nitpick because the, the, this episode is fucking amazing. I'm not even sure. Did the wall go around the whole town? Like, could maybe for all I know, the wall was just what we saw on TV, and she could have just walked like three feet to the left and gone around the wall. God, I don't know. But again, it's it's the problem with the scale. Um, it's so weird because sometimes you see them spend so much money on just ships flying. But then when you get to sometimes the, the scale of the set, it's really, you could tell that um, they didn't exactly, you know, pay much attention to it as they did with the, with the effects. Or at least they could have, even with the, with the, with the volume stuff, I'm sure they could have made, made the whole thing a lot wider and, 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 and you know, larger. I can pretty much do whatever you want at this point. I'll, I'll say this uh, for, for the volume and, and the effects. The other day, we were um, had hooked up a Blu-ray player in the basement that had been not hooked up for a while, and then hooked up like a, a floor speaker, a subwoofer, um, and I went back and threw in Attack of the Clones on Blu-ray because the one of the parts in there where they're in the asteroid field where Django's dropping the the seismic charges that blows a ton of bass through your through your speakers mm-hmm. so that that's always a spot where i want to go check like how my subwoofer was, was working and i was watching with my kids and we were just commenting on how terrible the effects look um in like in the arena and 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 everything like with the background just how very very poor it looks and how far things have come when you look at the Mandalorian and, and you can't tell the difference between what's real and what's CG because of the volume. And, and it's just amazing. And I know we've talked about it before, but like I had, it was a really stark contrast for me um, to, to see go from like watching uh, attack of the clones to watching the Mando and seeing how much better it looks and how far they've come. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, the, the, all the volume stuff has been, Pretty sick. I like the set outside the 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 city, like the like the the, the burnt force. I don't know what ha- what the fuck happened to that force, but that set looks fucking amazing. And again, yeah. that opening scene with Ahsoka, who's practically a ninja in the opening sequence. She's she's mowing down uh, bad guys. They they can't seem to find her. That was so so fucking sick. I think that might be my favorite action sequence of of the entire series to date. But yeah, overall great episode. Um, who are we expecting to pop up in um, in that Jedi Temple? Because you mentioned Luke Skywalker. Um, are we expecting anyone else from Clone Wars? Because you you you're pretty knee deep with the Clone Wars. Um, is there anyone from Clone Wars you'd like to see pop up in the in the next couple of episodes? Um, so I just got through season four of Clone Wars, and now so I'm at, I'm at season five, but I've already seen bits and pieces of season five before. Um, and so I, as far as like Jedi that are going to show up, I'm curious because this number continues. Like we know Luke's out there, he's training. We also know at this time that like, I assume that Ben Solo is alive. Maybe not. I'm not sure exactly on the timeline. So I'm curious. I think that this, when he goes to this planet, um, 
I'm pretty sure that we're going to get uh, like a like kind of a montage of whatever's out there that him sitting on this stone and reaching out to Jedi. I don't know if that's going to just be kept to him just reaching out to Jedi. Like I'm pretty sure that other that the Sith are going to become aware of his presence. And so I don't know at, at this point at this point in time um I don't know what it, who's still alive and who's still around. Obviously Luke's there, obviously Ben Solo's there, Sidious is there somewhere. Um, I don't think they've made Snoke yet. I think that's what we kind of saw in the the previous episode that they're still having a hard time getting the clones to take. But I, I am curious to see like what else happens and if he reaches out through the force, if we're going to get some of these other characters and in, in maybe voice cameos, like maybe get, are you going to get Qui-Gon? Are you going to get who knows? And uh, yeah, I think I think that part's pretty interesting. I, I do. I do think it's going to continue to tie in to the larger uh story now i think we're going to get something that ties it to the sequel trilogy pretty hard here in this next one you know and i'm at this point i think mark hamill's played he's always going to be luke skywalker i wouldn't be put off if they had you know a cameo as by somebody as luke skywalker i feel like right now if you're going to try to tell the story about a, a, a force sensitive kid who's reaching out from this super strong place uh, where the, or this place where the force is super strong. I don't know how you can do it without at least bringing Luke into it in some way. Right. I just don't get it. So yeah. I'm okay with that. I would, I wouldn't mind seeing Luke now and seeing more of that story. And uh, I don't, and when you look at Sebastian Stan and all the mock-up stuff, he does, he looks pretty good um, as, as much as uh, you know, he doesn't have a whole lot going on at the moment. So maybe he could find, find his way into uh, some star Wars stuff. I think that would be awesome. I'd be totally fine with that. Yeah, so I think that does it for the Mando talk. You want to get to some quick uh, bits of news before we end? Yeah, just the little bits of news. We're going to have a short episode this week, thanks to the holiday. But that's okay. We we know we're going to be uh, that way for the next month or so until until we hit the new year. It'll really get going. Outside of that, the Disney um, con- little conference call coming up, what, on the 10th, we're probably not going to have a ton oh, of yeah. news. Yeah. Okay, so uh, let's run it down pretty quick. Hawkeye filming in New York. What are your thoughts? Yeah, this is cool. It's going to be like a two-week uh, sh- a two-week shoot, and I know a lot of people doubt that there's going to be cast there. They think they're just going to be doing some exterior stuff, but I've been told by multiple sources that cast is going to be there. I haven't been told who's going to be there, but I-, I have been told there will be cast there, so I don't know if that means that Renner is there and maybe Haley Steinfeld will finally show up. Uh, finally show up. I'm not sure, or it could be, it could just be some, some randos that are a part of the apartment building, but I do think it's really cool that they're going there. I checked out some of the streets that they said they were filming on, and there were a couple of buildings that looked really, really close to the building that Matt Fraction drew, um, or not Matt Fraction, who drew it, David, um, who, who drew the Fraction run? David Aja. Aja David drew that Aja. run. So there are some, there are some buildings that look awfully close to the buildings that Aja drew for that run. So I think you're going to see Hawkeye's apartment building. I have no idea why in the hell he's living in an apartment in New York. Um, but I also yeah. think you'll see some street action. But yeah, I think it's it's cool. And one thing you can guarantee, if they are in New York City, and well, they're in, like in, just out in Brooklyn, right? And there are posts everywhere. Whoever's there, this is going to get caught on camera. We are going to see some set photos for sure. Is this a clear confirmation that the the show is going to be set in New York. I think so. Yeah. And I think, I think it's not, 
what I'm trying to say without giving too much away, I don't think it's all set at one time at the exact same time and place. I think that there's a little bit of back and forth here um, where we're going to see some some more of Clint as Ronan. But I think that the main setting is, is going to be in New York. Yeah. And I think so we're going to get I think you might you might see some stuff filmed out of order. I don't know that you're going to see like, hey, this is an entire episode at once. I think they're going to go to New York and film all the shit they need to film in New York because film permits in New York are getting harder and harder to come by as as COVID continues to research. So I think they're going to go there and get everything they can done over the next two weeks and then head back to Atlanta and and get all the rest of the stuff done there. But I think, yeah, for sure, it's it's New York's going to be a primary setting. Okay, next, She-Hulk casting news. Uh... One of the casting breakdowns that we found out this week indicates that Titania might be a part of the show. Uh, the production is looking for, if I'm not mistaken, like a Kardashian-esque character, which they want to be, I guess, the the antagonist for the show. What are your thoughts on this? Are we getting Titania as a Kardashian? I, I, I guess. Like, I don't know who else would be uh, the main adversary for She-Hulk. I mean, that when, when to me, I've, and I'm not, for sure as well read on She-Hulk as I am on a lot of the other things. I've read quite a bit of stuff, but by no means have I poured through every issue of every volume. So, but for me, when I think of who, who her main adversary or antagonist is, it's going to be Titania. And I hope that this is who that is. And I've, I've talked to some people and they're like, man, this doesn't sound like her. This is, this isn't what she's like. And I, I kind of think it, it might be because she seems to be a really like when they're talking about this, she seems to be really obsessed with being popular and then, like you said, being an influencer. And this is sort of the backstory of the character who became Titania. She was kind of kind of bullied and singled out and picked on. And she kind of always wanted to be uh, powerful and part of the cool crowd. So her her origin is going to be very different because Titania in the comics um, was kind of gifted her powers by Dr. Doom during Secret Wars. Um, and this isn't going to be the same thing. But like when you really think about the the idea of being popular and having influence now, it's it certainly social media is such a huge deal. So I think it it might be a, a pretty clever adaptation. And I'm I, I have a pretty good feeling this is her, but I have I have no idea for sure. But I sure hope it is because she's a badass character. Um and in her and and being able to go and, and square off toe to toe with She-Hulk is gonna lead to some really cool action scenes, I think, in that series. It's supposed to be like a, a comedy heavy series, but at some point. You know, if you have She-Hulk and Titanium there, you're going to have some badass fights. Yeah, the social media influencer twist on the on the character, to me, is kind of perfect for that world. Because, you know, in a world where you have Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, Hulk, you know, I am kind of curious what, you know, social media is like in that world. What do influencers think? Like, are, do influencers aspire to be like superheroes now? Maybe that's how, that's how this all, you know, ties in together. But it's such a great idea, and um, I, like more than anything, I'm just excited in getting like a new kind of villain, because you know it's it's always nice to see something different in the MCU um, from time to time. And last one, Alfred Molina, possibly in Spider-Man Three. Oh my God, are we getting you know another Raimi character in um in uh in the in the MCU? What do you think? Yeah, this is a, a rumor uh, that came out I don't know kind of midweek late maybe it was later in the week I'm not sure the week kind of all tied together but it it's it's another one that sort of lends itself to that spider-verse idea that live action spider-verse idea which I'm becoming less and less of a fan of as as time goes on like I don't 
I don't want this movie to be um, Spider-Man three cameo fest. Like I don't want that. And so I I would love to continue to see Tom Holland be the main character and and have a, have a two hour movie. That's mostly about him, not just every character from every movie ever taking up a chunk of time. So I, I guess my, my idea is if this is like, you know, we, we have Dr. Strange show him, um, other like windows into the other multiverses. And we see these characters for, you know, blips here and there. I think that's fine, but man, it gets to be too much. If every single character that's ever been in a Spider-Man movie ever has to fucking show up. I I'm, I'm losing interest by the second in this, uh, live action spider verse thing. If that's what it is now, if all we're getting is like, Hey, this is all the, all these stories are all a part of this larger web. That's fine. But I don't want to see, um, like I said, just a giant cameo fest where the whole movie is just one dude pouring, pouring into a scene after another, after another, after another. I can do without that. Yeah, at this point, it, like everything we're hearing about Spider-Man 3 sounds so indulgent that, you know, it really is sort of, it's getting less and less interesting, at least for, uh, for the two of us, the more we hear about it. And like you, I kind of wish it, it it's just relegated to, you know, a, a five-second cameo because I don't want to fucking see you know, all these characters show up just because. Like, I kind of want to see the MCU's own uh, Doc Ock. I don't want to see the fucking Raimi Doc Ock. I've seen that. It's pretty cool, but I want to see the MCU's own Doc Ock. I want to see the MCU's own Electro. That's how I feel about everything so far. Yeah, it's it, it's funny because last night, the I don't know if you saw any of it, um, Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. had their fight. Oh, yeah, I saw it, yeah. I saw, yeah, I saw and... the, uh, like, I saw the Jake Paul fucking Nate Robinson one. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just saw the clip where he just buried him. Um but but like the whole the whole Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. thing, I didn't see the fight. I've seen some clips and some highlights of it. And it was cool from a nostalgic standpoint, but nothing fucking happened. And I feel like that you can get you can get there real quick. Like, yeah, hey, Mike Tyson looks good and Roy Jones looks good. And I saw a post where they were like standing there in their underwear facing off. And they're like, you're two drunkest uncles on Halloween or on Thanksgiving Eve. And it was pretty cool. Um, but then. But then, like, there's all this bluster and all this, like, hey, we're bringing this back and bringing this back. And then nothing happened. And I, and I feel like you're on the verge of that with, with what's all these rumors around the Spider-Verse stuff. I don't want, and I, f- I feel like that fight was probably pretty disappointing to people who are actual boxing fans or fans of those two fighters. And I feel like this is, you know, a potential warning sign for what could happen with, uh, with Spider-Man 3 if this is what you do. Like you're gonna have all this bluster and all this nostalgia, and we're bringing this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, and then at the end of it, people are going, "Wait a minute, nothing fucking happened." You know, I like <laughs> it better. It better move along the story of Peter Parker um, because we're not gonna have it forever. So let let's make it something great and not not try to revive something that was once great. Wait, so what happened in the in the Tyson fight? I, I I missed the results of that. Like I was so I was so enamored by all the memes of uh, Nate Robinson getting knocked out. What happened to the Tyson fight? <laughs> I, it ended in a draw. What the fuck? It was like, you know, it was like just handed them both a participation trophy and and sent them on their way. I saw a couple clips of Tyson like throwing some some big bombs and not landing, and I saw some clips of Roy Jones Jr. dancing around and not getting hit. And I didn't see anything. Like I said, I didn't watch the whole fight, so I'm I'm not here to say that something great didn't happen in a clip that I haven't seen. But I didn't see any of the kind of stuff that you would associate with with a Mike Tyson fight. He didn't, you know knock I don't think there was any knockdowns there certainly were no knockouts 
Um, I don't think anything anything too exciting happened at all. I think the build up to the fight was more exciting than the fight. All right, guys, that does it for uh, for this week's episode. Super exciting to talk about all this stuff with Mandalorian. I think we ended up uh, headed down some paths we didn't even anticipate ourselves as we talked before the show about what we we're going to talk about. But yeah, it's it's a very exciting time. Uh, we've got only three episodes left in this season. And I saw a tweet last night from a guy who works on the in the animation department on Mando, and he said that we are in for just one hell of a crazy ride over these next three episodes. So I, I uh, as much as I don't like wishing time away, I can't wait to see the next episode of Mando and see where we're headed. Um, but that does it for this week. We will uh, keep, keep an eye on the news over the next couple of weeks here, and we'll be talking to you guys again soon. Bye.